Brilliant. So, uh, yeah, if you don't know me, my name is Gareth. I'm 23 and I've lived in York now for nearly five years and I've spent four of those years here at G2 and I've been very blessed to work here as a student worker for two years as well. I work alongside Holly and that's brilliant and um, all being well, I may end up even getting ordained, so who knows. Um, and so as, as Christian said today, I am wearing my preaching jacket and two-toned brogues and I have a radio mic on. So I am living the dream <laughs> and I just hope that you're all living the dream with me. So it's a great pleasure for me to get to introduce our series for this term. Following on from Easter, we're beginning a new one and it's called Hidden Jesus. Um, note that the, there is a question mark and the question mark is key. So perhaps if you're referring to the series, uh, you might want to use a raised eyebrow or an inquisitive intonation. Um, but the question you might have is, what is this rather enigmatic title referring to? Now, what we are not talking about is an idea that Jesus might actually be physically hiding somewhere. Um, nor are we referring to the seemingly countless occasions when Jesus has been discovered in everyday objects. And in true sermon opening fashion, I found a few pictures that are mildly amusing about these. See, he, these are some of the uh, pictures. This is Jesus found in a lid of Marmite. Uh, here's Jesus in fabric softener. Um, this is a student's frying pan, and that is clearly Jesus' face there, apparently. Uh, this is Jesus on a naan. I think that's a plain naan, but uh, yeah, maybe a garlic one. And this is possibly my favourite one. This is Jesus' face found on the wall of a Chinese takeaway. All of these were found on the metro, so uh, clearly they have a lot of slow news days. But the aim of this series is actually to discover and encounter the person of Jesus throughout Scripture. In particular, we are looking at how we might encounter Jesus through the Old Testament. And over the next few weeks, we will be looking at specific examples and passages of such encounters. But for some of you, for some of us, the Old Testament might not seem like a natural place to look for Jesus. Uh, many Christians have quite an uneasy relationship with the Old Testament. It, it has an uneasy place in our faith and our lives. And perhaps this is understandable because there are moments in the Old Testament that can seem troubling and even baffling. Uh, and sometimes we think as Jesus has been quite far removed from the Old Testament. He is cited as being markedly different from Yahweh, the God of Israel that we encounter in the Old Testament. And this leads some people to question whether the Old Testament is even relevant. And this idea, this questioning of the place of the Old Testament, is as old as Christianity itself. And this idea was first put forward by a theologian called Marcion, uh, and he was a second century theologian, and he claimed that Christianity needed to sever all of its ties with Judaism and the Old Testament. He even suggested his own canon, that is, his own Bible, his own set of Christian holy books. And, of course, this excluded the entirety of the Old Testament. And this idea is still alive and well today, to some degree, in the red-letter Christian movement. Now, I believe that the words of Jesus are incomparably precious. And I have a lot of respect for guys like Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo, some of the authors and, and pastors and, and people who were behind the Red Letter Christian movement. It's this idea that 
in the Bible we should highlight the words of Jesus read and that we should elevate them above all else. But I do fear that in doing this, we have the, there's the potential that we might exclude the rest of the Bible to our own detriment. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 refers to Scripture being God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking. Now, we often quote that generically about the Bible, but when Paul wrote that, he wouldn't have had a New Testament to refer to. He probably wasn't talking about his own letter. The Gospels hadn't been written yet, so he would have been talking about what we now know as the Old Testament. And so what we're doing today really is trying to establish a basis for why we might look back at the Old Testament and not only see it as relevant, but see it as somewhere where we might find and encounter Jesus. And so we're doing so today by looking at actually at a New Testament encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And this is an example of two people, Cleopas and his companion, having a tangible, heartwarming encounter with Jesus. And this is done in part through looking through pages of the Old Testament. And so today, if you're taking notes, if you're of a note-taking disposition, and you would like a title for today's sermon, let me recommend Spiritual Heartburn. And we're going we're gonna to look at this passage now. So Charlie is going to come up and she's going to read it. So it's from Luke 24, so 13 to 32. So that's Luke 24, 13 to 32. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked among them. But they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walked along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in his days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition... Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. But then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went with them to, to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Brilliant. So I'll just pray before we carry on. Yeah, Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this amazing encounter. I pray that you would speak to us today, and I pray that you would give us a fresh appreciation of your word 
all of your word and you would help us to figure out what it means to engage with it and engage with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is an extraordinary passage um, about an extraordinary encounter with the risen Jesus. And following on from Easter, this passage deserves a great amount of reflection. And, but the purpose today and of this whole series is to hone in on one aspect of this passage in particular. And that is the revelation that Jesus is found in the pages of the Old Testament. And our key verse here is Luke 24, 27. That beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them all the scriptures concerning himself. This encounter was three days after Jesus' crucifixion. And many of Jesus' followers were forlorn. And this was despite reports that they might have heard about the resurrection. Now, Cleopas and a companion, it's often depicted as two men, but we don't know, could very easily be Cleopas and his wife, were walking from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. And as they're walking along, they encounter Jesus, but they don't recognise him. And essentially, they unload on him, they extrovert on him, about their disappointment regarding the unmet expectations they had about Jesus. Now, rather than simply telling them, actually, guys... I'm Jesus, I'm here now, so nothing to worry about. He responds by going through the Hebrew scriptures and every verse that is related to him. And he does it to reveal to them that who he is and why he had to die and rise again. And it's only in retrospect that they realize that they'd been speaking to Jesus all along. And then they tell of how their hearts burned as he took them through the scripture. Jesus himself uses the Old Testament to reveal himself to Cleopas and his companion. And as we think about this, as we think about what that could mean, I want us to focus on three implications of this and of this encounter more generally. Firstly, we should expect to find Jesus in the Old Testament. In fact, he is the main character. The Old Testament gives us a broader understanding of who Jesus is. And thirdly, the Old Testament and all of Scripture enables us to have heartfelt encounters with Christ. So we should expect to find Jesus in the Old Testament. He's the main character. The Old Testament will give us a broader understanding of who Jesus is. And the Old Testament and all of Scripture enables us to have heartfelt encounters with Christ. And this idea that Jesus is the main character of scripture goes back to what we've been talking about recently, what Josh spoke of a few weeks ago in John 1. And that is this idea that Jesus is described as the word, or the Greek word is the logos. And that means that Jesus is the example of when God speaks, we see Jesus. And as well as meaning what is said, uh, this word logos can also refer to a story or a narrative. And so in other words, the Bible, which is also often called the Word, is God's story. And in God's story, Jesus is the main character. Jesus is the living Word, and he is the protagonist of God's story, and that is the Bible. And so it's unsurprising, then, that the Old Testament is actually full of encounters with Jesus in different forms, now, these have been categorised by theologians, and we're going to be looking at a few of these over this series. 
So the first is something called a Christophany. Um, and basically all that means is a physical appearance of Jesus. And there are parts in the Old Testament where we actually see what some people believe are Jesus actually appearing. Um, so a good example is in Genesis 32:30, Jacob wrestles with God. And many believe that is actually Jesus who he wrestles with. Another one of these is types. These are Old Testament characters or institutions that essentially point us forward to Jesus. For example, David, he is the king, and so he points forward to Jesus as the king of kings. And if you look at something like the book of Hebrews, it's all about how Jesus is the greater and better version of all these various characters in the Old Testament. Another way we might see Jesus in the Old Testament is in what might be called foreshadowing events or acts of service. Now, these are things that happen, stories we hear of events that take place that point forward to what Jesus will go on to accomplish. So um, we've just passed what would, have been, what would be considered the time of Passover, and that was in Exodus when they paint the blood on the doors in the, uh, in the Exodus story, and that represents Jesus' death for our sins. And the last thing is prophecies, and these are scriptures in the Old Testament that predict Jesus is coming and certain aspects of Jesus' life. So, for instance, uh, Paul talked the other week about how Jesus rode in on a donkey. Well, one of the reasons he did that was because there was a prophecy in Zechariah which said that the Messiah, the chosen one, God's chosen person, would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, if you want one, maybe a bit more, uh, another interesting one, Malachi 3.1 predicts that Jesus will enter the temple. Now, that on its own might not seem that interesting, but the temple was destroyed only a couple of decades after Jesus died. So the fact that an Old Testament scripture written centuries ago predicts that Jesus would do that is quite significant, and it can really reveal to us something about who he is. And I think more broadly, as well as knowing that we can simply encounter Jesus, and more broadly than simply knowing that there are certain ideas and there are certain ways and means which theologians have, have uh, presented to us as, as ways of seeing Jesus, this means that the way we encounter the Old Testament, the way we read the Old Testament, perhaps has to change fundamentally. More broadly, this means that we must read the Old Testament as if Jesus is the main character. And I don't know about you, but I don't always do that. Um, it's easy to reduce the Old Testament to a few moralistic fables or just some dry, random accounts of, of history. But in reality, it is all pointing forward to Jesus. And this adds an exciting new dimension to the Old Testament. So suddenly, certain stories which might seem uh, small or insignificant become filled with great truth so or characters that seem insignificant suddenly have something far more to say than you might expect so you could look at something like uh, the character of Boaz in the book of Ruth now the book of Ruth can just seem like it's an intercultural uh, rom-com or whatever maybe less of the com but actually when you look at the Old Testament with Jesus as a main character, we can see Boaz represents a kinsman redeemer, i.e. he is somebody who brings Ruth back into the fold. He brings Ruth, who is not a Jew, into the fold, into the family of God's people. And this points forward to what Jesus will do when dying on the cross. He makes it possible for Gentiles, so people who aren't Jews, so awkwardly all of us, 
probably, it enables us to be part of God's family as well. And so suddenly, he doesn't just become this romantic lead, he becomes someone who points forward to who Jesus is and what he is to do. I think when we read the Old Testament, it's quite easy. Uh, There's a tendency we have to place ourselves in the story as the main character. And that's often how we read the Old Testament. Now, there are great lessons we can learn and there's great inspiration we can take from Old Testament characters. I think Luke's series on Samson and Goliath was a great example of how in different ways we can take life lessons from Old Testament characters and Old Testament stories. But actually, I think a lot of the time, we need to be careful of placing ourselves in the role of the main character in a lot of these stories. I think we like to think of ourselves as as the heroes, but I, I wonder if this is right or if this is helpful, when actually, a lot of the time, these characters in these stories really are pointing us forward to Jesus. And I I wonder if this sometimes is symptomatic of a broader tendency that we have as people. And that is, we make ourselves the main character when we read the Bible, because we just have a tendency to think of ourselves as the main character in our own lives, in every aspect of it. And that's an important question to ask yourself when it concerns how we respond to Jesus. Who is the main character in your life? Who is the main character in your life? A large part of the Christian challenge is to replace ourselves as a main character in our lives with Jesus. When we talk about humility in Philippians 2, it's this idea that we count others, and specifically Jesus, as more important than ourselves. And I can't help but wonder that actually a large part of what is so frustrating about the human condition sometimes is actually that we make ourselves a main character, and that causes us a lot of grief. So, for instance, if you're sitting in traffic and you're getting very angry about it, it's partly because you're the main character in your life. In fact, you're the main character in this whole cosmic play. And how dare everyone else be trying to get somewhere as well? And and that causes a great deal of anger and frustration because we're the main character. And so I think, actually, when we place Jesus as the main character instead of us, that's quite releasing because suddenly it becomes part of a broader story. And I think that maybe a helpful beginning place for Christians is to actually to, to change how we read the Bible, where we read the Bible with Jesus as the, at the centre, with Jesus as the main character, and perhaps part of the rest of our lives will follow suit. So as well as being the Old Testament being someone we can find Jesus, I think the Old Testament gives us a broader understanding of who Jesus is. And, and as we noted earlier, despite the fact that Jesus was walking alongside Cleopas and his companion, he decides to choose scripture as a way of revealing himself to them. Jesus' first port of call in explaining his death and resurrection and who he is was to turn to scripture. And I wonder if that's our first port of call. If we want to encounter Jesus, if we want to meet Jesus, and if we want to introduce Jesus to others, is scripture the first place we look? Part of me thinks, if it's good enough for Jesus, if Jesus himself uses scripture to reveal himself, maybe it's good enough for us. And of course, this does include the Old Testament, because the scriptures he would have been talking them through would not have been the Gospels, because that's the Gospel at the time. It's not been written yet. So I think in order to gain a more holistic understanding of who Jesus is, we really need the Old Testament. 
Notice that Cleopas and Co. have essentially missed the point about who the Messiah, God's chosen one, was meant to be. Now, their expectations were high. Their expectations were, as Paul talked about a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus was going to free Israel from the Romans. But despite having those high expectations, really their expectations were too low. The reality that greater than that, what Jesus was doing was seeking to reconcile all of creation to himself, was seeking to make it possible for everybody to know God. He was the fulfillment of everything that had been promised, that God was going to, make, to, to build a bridge between himself and people through Israel. Now, we might not have some of the same notions today about, we might not have some of the same ideas about messiahs and whatnot that first century Jews did, but in 21st century Britain, we have our own misconceptions about who Jesus might be. Even in terms of what we imagine Jesus looked like, a whole concept of Jesus' image is based on Renaissance paintings. And so what ends up happening is we think of Jesus and we think of who he was and what he might have looked like and we essentially think about Chad Kroger in a robe. And even on that, we're essentially clashing with scripture. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says what Jesus looked like, but it does say in Isaiah 53 that there was nothing about him that we should desire him. So perhaps, as great as that recent Bible series was, the Portuguese model who played uh, Jesus, a Palestinian rabbi or an Israeli rabbi, probably doesn't actually fit the mark. But we have our 21st century conceptions of who Jesus is. And sometimes they're based not on the scripture, not on the Bible, but they're just based on cultural ideas that we have. And so perhaps what we really need to do is we need to go back to the source. We need to go back to where it all starts. Again, it's a human tendency. George Bernard Shaw once said, God made man in his own image, and we've been repaying the favor ever since. But perhaps we need to get back to the source, to the, to the Bible. And of course, we all have our own cultural baggage. We all have our own interpretive differences. And we may not have Jesus alongside us to physically teach us, but I believe that he has given us his Holy Spirit to help us know him through how he's revealed himself in the Bible. And ultimately, as we seek to know Jesus better through scripture, it's all about heartfelt encounter. This is not merely a theological or an intellectual exercise. The pages of scripture reveal in Jesus a God who wants to encounter you, a God who wants to know you, a God who wants to meet you where you're at. In verse 32, Cleopas and Co. talk about how their hearts burned when Jesus revealed himself in the scriptures. And that's my prayer for us, that our hearts would burn from an awesome encounter with God. That this wouldn't just be something that is about intellectual stimulation. It isn't just a mere idea or an abstract concept. When we talk about uh, engaging with scripture and, and seeking to know who Jesus is, what, we, what we're looking for is an encounter with the risen Christ. The living word through the written word. Encountering Jesus through scripture is not merely an intellectual thing. It's about heartfelt encounter. It's about our hearts burning from knowing that Jesus is God-made man who loves us, who understands us, who died for us, and who rose again. All so that we might know him and that we might return to know God, our Father, and be part of God's family. 
So I'm just going to invite the band to come back up now. We're going to come into land. So as I reflect on, on the Bible, on the scripture, what this is, what this is, is, is God's story that's been written for us. And I believe that Jesus is without doubt the main character. But the amazing thing about this story is that unlike so many others, the main character actually wants to know you. This is not a distant tale, but this is a story that each of us here can be part of. You two here today, thousands of years later, can be part of the story of God. Jesus died and rose again so that we all could be part of this story. The role is waiting. He has prepared it for you. And the question is, are you going to take it? Are you going to take it?